Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Amen, amen. How you doing, Legacy? So honored and grateful to be here. I know you guys are missing Pastor Chase and Sarah. I just want to say how much I love your pastors and how good they are to us and how they've blessed our life. And so I just want to say, just as a pastor, if you've been kind of kicking the tires, I have an overseer who tells me this. He says, Shane, don't date a church, marry a vision. And so listen, I just want to encourage you on behalf of Chase and Sarah, they didn't ask me to say this, I'm just saying it for them, that if you've been kicking the tires around here and you've just been kind of, you know, saying, man, I just wonder kind of how I can go a little bit deeper. Listen, go all in. This is, this is great ground. God has sown some seeds in here that are producing a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times anything over and above. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're not involved, if you're not on a serving team, I don't know how their process works, but I'm telling you, you need to ask questions, figure that out, and get involved in this. Amen. So listen, um, I want to jump right into John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I'm going to be reading the first 10 verses. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip to that. And as you see, I have an assortment of coffee mugs up here. I've got something, a little container up here that maybe some of you know, some of you don't know what that is. But we're going to be brewing some coffee this morning. How many coffee drinkers in the house? All right, all right. Now, let me, let me ask this. How many cheap coffee drinkers in the house? Yeah, y'all don't want to admit that. <laughs> it never fails every time I talk about coffee um, and I'm a coffee connoisseur, so it's in a lot of my messages. My church is tired of hearing about coffee. Um, but it's just, there's so many biblical pr principles. I believe coffee is heaven's nectar, amen? Yeah, thank you. Y'all tea drinkers, y'all don't know. You ain't saved yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, John 4, 1 through 10, let's jump in. says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. I'm going to just pause right there. Isn't that just like a spirit of religion to put competition on disciples and competition on churches? Like last time I checked, we are not in competition with each other. We are in competition with the devil to plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen? But the spirit of religion is so easy to put a, a spirit of competition on you. And so the Pharisees come. They heard he was baptizing more than John. And though Jesus himself, verse 2, didn't baptize them, his disciples did. And so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. In verse 4, he said, I had to go, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised 
for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And I love Jesus' reply. He said, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Somebody, somebody needs to receive that this morning. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this time that you've given us. God, thank you for Legacy Church. Thank you for what they are doing in this community. God, thank you for the lives that have been changed through the avenue and the conduit of this local church. God, we believe, Father, that the hope of the world is inside the local church. God, and you are exploding in this house. Father, there is no more room to contain, God. And I pray, Father, that you would explode their spirits this morning. God, that you would pour out something in their hearts. God, today, that wouldn't just last through the end of today, but would carry on throughout the rest of the week, the months and the years of their lives. God, that something that happens here today would resonate inside of them, God, and it would produce something extravagant. God, that you would take some ordinary people like us and do something extraordinary for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we have this Samaritan woman, all right? So you have to understand the correlation and the contrast, really, between Samaritans and Jewish people. 2 Kings 17 kind of gives us a, a picture of that, that the Samaritans had this mixed view of, of religious practices. Like, they wanted just enough of the Jewish culture and religion to kind of be included, but they didn't want to let go of a, of a heathen heathenistic lifestyle or a culturalistic or a carnality lifestyle that kept them in the world. They had just enough. And so a lot of times Jews, as the Bible said, would refuse to even do business, associate, or even be seen with them. And so here we got this Samaritan woman. She's walking up to the well. Now, this is not a peak watering time for Jewish people. And she knows that. That's why she's going at this time of the day, about noontime. So she's thinking, the coast is clear, my path is made, I can make it to the well, I can draw out my buckets, I can get what I need, and I can go about my business. But Jesus interrupted that plan. How many are thankful when Jesus interrupts your plans, when Jesus interrupts your routine? And so Jesus was interrupting her routine. It says he was going through Samaria, and he sat down beside this well because he was tired. No, maybe Jesus was tired. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus does everything intentional. And so it wasn't by accident that Jesus just sat down and popped a squat and said, hey, I'm just going to chill out. I'm tired. Disciples, y'all go get some food. I'm going to wait until some joker comes by and I can draw me some water out because I'm thirsty. No, no, no. I, I mean, maybe Jesus was tired, but he knew this woman was on the way. And see, sometimes we encounter Jesus where it feels to us by happen chance or by accident. We go to work, we come to church, we go to family gatherings, we're in a store, we're in a drive-thru, and somebody pays for your meal, and you think, man, that's such an unexpected blessing, isn't it? We say things like that. 
or we post about it on Facebook. Man, I just got an unexpected blessing. Or my wife, she's, she's the money handler in our family, and you know we'll get a little bit back from our, um, from our electric bill or something because we've overpaid. I don't know how you overpay electric bill, but that's besides the point. And she'll say, oh, babe, we got an unexpected check in the mail. Listen, it may be unexpected to us, but God is never, never unexpected. God always knows what he's doing when he does it. Amen? And so we got this woman. She's walking. I'm just kind of setting this scene here. She's walking. She's probably carrying several pots, empty pots, empty vessels to this well, clanging them together, trying to balance life, right? Anybody feel me? You're walking to church. You fought this morning on the way to church. Come on, husbands and wives, right? You're grippling and you're, and you're wrestling with your kids and, and all that stuff. You're trying to get them situated. And you're like, get in the car. I'm going to be late. Yeah, you're juggling, you're juggling some vessels this morning, juggling some empty pots. You came in here on two wheels. You feel like, man, if I don't get something today, I'm going to go the rest of the week on empty. Amen? That's what this woman's feeling like. She's just grabbing all her, all her vessels, and she's just struggling to get to the well. If I can just get to the well, if I can just get to the well, I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. She was living a lifestyle of thirsty. And she said, if I could just get to the well, and here he is, Jesus himself is propped up on this well. And he has the audacity to ask her for a drink. Why? Because she's got the necessary tools. She's got the resources. She just needs the provider. And see, sometimes I think we go to Jesus asking for bigger and better vessels, bigger and better buckets, bigger and better pots, bigger and better cups. God, if I could just have bigger, if I could just have better. Well, God, if you would bless me with this raise, then I would give. God, if you would bless me with this house, then I would have more people over. God, if you would bless me with this car, then I would take people to church. God, if you would bless me with this job, then I could really influence some people. And God said, what's in your hand? What'd you come to the well with this morning? What did you bring to the well? It's not necessarily that he wants to replace the vessel, but he wants to put something back in it. And this woman brought some empty vessels to the well. She went looking for water from a well, and she encountered living water from the well. Now here Jesus is like, you know, woman, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would probably be asking me for a drink. And because of this this cultural division, come on somebody, between these two demographics of people, this woman probably looks at Jesus in a little snarky sort of way and go, why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you asking me for a drink? And she probably couldn't believe that this Jewish man would be serious and intentional about meeting with her because she was a little calloused with the way the system had treated her. And church, isn't that just like us? Like we filter everything that's coming in our future with what's in our past. Everything that we had been through. Well, I can't trust this boss because my last boss fired me. Well, I can't trust this spouse because my last spouse. Well, I can't trust this guy because the last guy. Well, I can't trust, I can't trust, I can't trust. Because of everything that happened in our past, we filter it with our future. 
when we say, well, we're, we're skeptic. I'm going to wait and see how this pans out, right? And we do this to God. God, I'm going to wait and see what you do for the next person. God, I'm going to wait and see what you do for my friend right here. And if it works out for him, then I'll be on board. But guess what? Everybody's purpose is tailor-made. You don't have anybody else's promises. You got your own. And so this lady is coming to Jesus and says, hey, if you knew who it was that was standing before you, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I would give you living water. And this perks her up. She goes, hmm, living water. Now, that's something I've never heard about before. Living water. And he goes, yeah, yeah, if you, would, if you drink from this water, you would never thirst again. And she goes, hmm, tell me more about this living water. How can I get some? But see, she wasn't looking at it from an eternal perspective. She was looking at it from an immediate perspective. She wanted immediate gratification. Right then, right there, she said, tell me about how I can get this living water because I'm tired of being thirsty. I'm tired of being thirsty. So we said living water, and she was like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Let me have some of this living water. And here's the thing, church. We're always looking for a to-do list from God, aren't we? Somewhere to go, something to do. God, tell me what I can do to earn enough. You can never do enough to earn enough. God, tell me how I can give enough. You can never give enough. God, tell me what I can do. We're always looking for somewhere to go and something to do, and God offers someone to trust. Why? Because as people, we've been calloused by other people. And we say, God, if you just give me a checklist, it'll be much easier than having to trust somebody else. Come on, somebody. And so this lady was used to having friends with benefits. To her, this encounter with Jesus was nothing more than a casual coffee date that she was looking for just to see what she could get out of the deal, right? Like, I'm not going to waste too much money or too much time or too much energy on this guy who's supposed to be a Jew, who's talking to me, who just happened to be in my lane, in my zone, interrupting my day. I'm just going to kind of see what he has to offer me. And Jesus offered her this supernatural encounter that would completely change the trajectory of her eternity and all she wanted was that immediate satisfaction for the natural. See, in case you're not familiar with the story, this lady, this lady right here had five husbands prior to the one she was living with right now. And Jesus was calling her out. He even called her out, like absolutely verbatim said, hey lady, you have five husbands and the one you're with right now is not even your own husband. And that changed something for her. Jesus told her that she needed to walk away from this lifestyle that was making her thirsty. Because this is significant for us. And I believe that Jesus looks at us and says, hey, you've got idols, you've got gods, you've got priorities in your life, and the one that you're serving right now isn't even me. You're serving that job, you're serving that money, you're serving that house, you're serving that car, you're serving that perspective. You're serving that culture. You're serving this and serving that. And the one you're serving right now is not even about me. 
And it stands to say that this Samaritan woman had plenty of friends with benefits, but never the true benefit of a friend. See, here, the Bible recounts Jesus as a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? This is gonna set somebody free. Not a friend that uses you to get to another. We all have those friends, don't we? We all have those friends, like, halfway through the friendship, we can be like, man, I am being used right now. Like, when this joker gets what he wants out of me, he's gonna leave me. When this lady gets what she needs out of me, she is going to leave me. She's just using me to get that promotion. She's just using me to get this. He's just using me to get that. But Jesus is not that kind of friend. So if you've been calloused by what somebody else did to you, if you're filtering all of what Jesus can and will and wants to do for you and through you by what happened before Jesus came, can I tell you that Jesus is not that kind of friend? He is not the friend to use you to get to another. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24 in the NIV says that one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. John 15, 15 through 16 says, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. That's some good news right there. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. See, a lot of times, church, we have the faith to believe, but not the faith to achieve, right? Like, y'all, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Like, we all the time say, God, I have this faith. I believe you will do it. I believe you will do it. Well, listen, I can believe in whatever I want to, but unless I start walking towards it, where's my faith? James says, faith without works is what? Dead. So if my faith without works is dead, then I can do all the praying I want to. I can do all the pressing I want to. I can do all the believing I want to, but eventually I'm gonna have to start walking towards what I say I believe in. You heard the expression, you talk the talk, start walking the walk. Well, church, it's time for us to start walking the walk. It's time for us to start walking towards what we say that we believe in. If we believe that God's gonna do it, then step out and trust him. This whole concept of this cancel culture where if somebody doesn't do something for me, if somebody says something I don't like, if somebody argues against my point, if somebody, you know, fails me or or disappoints me, then I'm just going to cancel them. Listen, Jesus does not live up to your standard. He lives up to his own. And so just because Jesus doesn't come through in the way that you want him to come through doesn't mean that he's finished with you. Start walking. Whatever it is that you're believing for. Whatever it is that you're seeking God for. Don't let it just stay on an altar of prayer. Get up tomorrow and start walking towards it. Get up the next day and the next day and the next day and start walking towards something that God put in your heart, the promise. Start pursuing that promise. See, this lady started out skeptical. 
And then she moved to having a little bit of faith. Okay, I'm believing what you're saying, Jesus. I'm believing kind of kind of where you're going. And then when Jesus read her mail, y'all know what that means? When Jesus read her mail, when Jesus stuck his, his nose in her business, when Jesus put his hand in her life and said, hey, lady, stop being thirsty. She said, hmm, there's something else to this. And if you read a little further, it says that she went and told everyone. She went and told everyone. See, the faith to achieve is stepping towards what God promised you even when all odds are stacked against you. Somebody needs to receive that this morning. You've been believing God for something. You've been asking God to do something. And God's waiting on you to move. God's waiting on you to step forward. God's waiting on you to start walking. See, a friend with benefits requires no commitment or covenant. It just requires convenience. And one of the greatest benefits of God is to have living water teeming and welling up inside of you that causes you to never thirst again. See, it's a supernatural benefit that far exceeds any monetary or emotional benefit that we could ever gain. It's a benefit that causes us to say that no matter the circumstances that we're faced with in life, we can drink from a fountain of living water and never thirst again, amen? We go to Jesus with, his, with our circumstances and he circumvents our circumstances. He surrounds our circumstances. We, we bring Jesus our problems and Jesus says, no, I can, I can produce purpose in that pain. He circumvents our circumstances. He says, you're seeing it too narrowly. Step out. Step towards it. See what I'm doing around you. See what I want to do through you. See what I can do with you. It's a, it's a peace that passes all understanding. Some of us need that peace this morning. It's a joy that's unspeakable. Some of us hadn't been happy in days. Some of us hadn't been happy in months or years. And today, I'm telling you that you are gonna get set free from that grouchy, old, grumbly mindset, that limited mindset that you've been having for so long. Today is the day that you are gonna find joy in Jesus' name, amen? See, the woman went to the well, and she encountered the well. And I love Jesus. I mean, he's, he's so... He's so sneaky sometimes. Like, he'll just, he'll just bless us and just wait for us to notice. Like, this woman walking up to this well, and Jesus is literally using it as a prop or an illustration in his sermon to this lady. He's preaching to her, and she doesn't even know it. And he goes... I'm tired. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. And after a little while, he starts seeing her. She's coming. She's coming to the well. But she had never tasted water like this. She had never tasted water like this. See, church, what I want you to understand is there's a breakthrough on the other side of your battle. 
but you just got to keep walking. There's something that's worth it when you get to the well. And Jesus is the one that's waiting for you to get there. He waited for this lady. He waited for this woman. He sat there and waited. Didn't have anything. The Bible doesn't give us any indication that he had anything to draw from or to draw with. What was he doing at a well if he didn't have anything to drink with? Yeah, maybe he was tired. Maybe Jesus was tired, but he was about to transform this woman's life. He sat there at the well, and he waited for her to get to him. Aren't you grateful, church, that we serve a Jesus who waits for us, who's not impatient, who doesn't grow belligerent, who just says, hey, I'm going to wait for you right here. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to run. Because here's the thing. We're all at different parts of our faith journey. And if I expected you to run the same pace that I've been running without being conditioned from my past of what I've been conditioned with to get to where I need to go, you might not be able to keep up. And we are the world's worst at judging other people's journey. But Jesus just sits right there. And he goes, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Oh, you messed up a little bit back there? That's all right. Just keep coming. Oh, you made a little mistake here? That's all right. Just keep walking. Keep walking, honey. Keep walking. The Bible says that we have to come to Jesus as a little child. And I believe that this well, and Jesus kneels down and goes, hey, just, just come on. Just come on. Because here's the thing. We want to we wanna filter what we do based on everybody else. We want to see and hear all the things that people are saying to us. Well, I've been lost in this world for so long. Well, Shane, you don't know. I have lived a lifestyle of sin for so long. And if I change now, nobody's going to believe it. Listen to me. God had a purpose for you long before anybody had an opinion about you. I'm going to say that again because somebody needs to get set free. God had a purpose for you long before anybody else ever had an opinion about you. So you let them keep talking. But Jesus says you keep walking. You let them keep saying what they're going to say. Because you can't control what's out of your control. You can't control the sidebar conversations that are going on about you. But God has a purpose for your life. And you just keep walking towards the well. You just keep walking towards the well. See, I told you earlier that I'm a coffee connoisseur. And when Amanda and I got married, now listen, I need to preface this. This is about to offend probably half of y'all. But when Amanda and I got married, we drank cheap coffee. Because that's all we could afford. We just... Didn't want to pay for anything else. And I'm not going to call brands because that really will offend people. But Well, I had that this morning. But we drink cheap coffee because that's all we could afford. Or let me put it this way. We drink cheap coffee because that's all we wanted to afford. All right, now. That's all we wanted to afford. No, we could afford the better stuff. 
We just didn't want to because we thought that our money could be used in other places better, but we didn't act like that. We didn't act like, you know, the 10 bucks we were saving between cheap coffee and gourmet coffee we were going to give to somebody on the street or we were going to put in the tithe bucket or we were going to sow into somebody else's ministry. No, no, no. We just thought, oh, we just saved 10 bucks. Great. What are we going to do with this? Go out to eat? Okay. Right. We wanted to afford cheap stuff. And church, that's a lot of times what we do with our own faith. We don't want to afford greater faith that takes greater time to process. We just are settling for the cheap stuff, the cheap emotional draws and the cheap emotional moments. And we say, God, that's all I want. But that emotion is fleeting. And that emotion dies out by the end of the service. And that emotion dies out when that next trial comes your way. And then where is the faith to sustain you through that? And so then, here's what we, here's where we go. We, we wanted to afford cheap coffee. And so we spent more time investing in mugs. Or let me, let me say it like this so it will be alliterated. We spent more time investing in the container than we did in the content. This looks like a familiar mug, doesn't it? And so we drank cheap coffee. But we invested in expensive cups. Because we were more concerned, oh man, come on. We were more concerned about the appearance of good stuff than we were about ingesting it. <laughs> and so we would spend all this time picking out nice mugs, mugs that like related to us, mugs that were a little bit more pricey and that we could display for somebody to go, oh man, you got a nice mug collection. Because people do that when they go to your house, right? And can I tell you, no, I don't want to use that one. I'm going to use this one. Can I tell you that no matter what the mug looked like, the mess on the inside still tasted nasty. <laughs> the, the cheap never wore off. The cheap never got better just because I put it in something that looked better. The cheap never qualified the quality. I just thought it did. I just thought by, by some stretch of the imagination, if I sip on this long enough, it'll change. If I put enough sugar in it, come on. If I put enough additives and extra stuff and fluff it up and froth it up and foam it up and milk it up, if I put enough extra stuff, then I won't be able to taste the sour, nasty mess that I'm drinking. Is this all right? But then one day, one day we had a friend that blessed us with this nice, cute little coffee basket, and it has some gourmet stuff in it. Like, you know, the cheap coffee comes in containers about this big, right? You pay like 10 bucks, 12 bucks for it, and you get like four months worth of coffee. You get what you pay for. But the gourmet coffee comes in little Small containers, vacuum sealed. Like it took extra attention to get it there to you. And you pay like 25 bucks for something that's going to last you a week. 
and you're like, man, I would never pay for that. That's because you hadn't tasted and seen that it was good. <laughs> See, when you break open that, that vacuum seal gourmet coffee and you cut into it and it goes, and the air escapes, and then you pour it in your brewer, and then you watch it drip and drip, and man, it looks good. And it smells all throughout the house. It smells like something you've never smelled before. It does not smell burnt. Some of y'all getting set free. <laughs> and then we had some gourmet coffee. And I told Amanda that one time, I said, babe, I just want to drink it black. I just want to taste and see if there's really a difference. Because I was skeptical. You know, I walk through the aisles of Ingalls and I go, man, there ain't nothing more than pretty packaging on that. There is nothing worth paying extra that much for, 10 more dollars than what I'm paying now, and I can have four months worth of bulk coffee. But listen, church, when I took that first sip, I tasted heaven. I'm going to tell you what, that first sip of that gourmet coffee, and I'm talking about it was good. And can I tell you, no matter how much at times I wanted to go back to the cheap stuff, I never would let myself go there because I knew what I had. And I knew going back to that nasty stuff wasn't worth it. Because I want to tell you something else about coffee. Cheap coffee is roasted quicker. The processes are cut and it's not as finely ground. See, good gourmet coffee almost looks like powder. It's not flaky. It's not big, thick, granule stuff. And so what happens is, is the roasting process, the grinding process, and the roasting process extracts oil that are infused into your coffee that you drink. And cheap coffee leaves a sour, bitter taste in your mouth. And some of us have been living off of cheap faith for so long that we wouldn't know the real stuff if we drank it today because church has left us with a bitter, sour taste in our mouth. God has left us with a bitter, sour taste in our mouth, and it is not God that did it. It was that cheap faith that you were hoping to get to next Sunday on, to get to next Monday on, to get to next Tuesday on, and you've been conditioned to go off an emotional pull when God said, I want you to live in the promise, not off of some emotional roller coaster. Don't cheapen my faith. And this gourmet coffee we never went back to And see, you can dress up cheap faith all you want to, but at the end of the day, the substance of your faith will make all the difference on whether or not you stay with this bitter, sour taste in your mouth. Let me say it like this, church. Worship team, y'all can come on up. The substance of your faith has to go beyond Sunday. Let me say that again. The substance of your faith has to go beyond Sunday. See, gourmet coffee, the reason that you pay more for it is not because they put it in pretty packaged, you know, little tinfoil vacuum-sealed containers. The reason you pay more for it is because it has gone through 
the proper process of roasting, of grinding, of shipping, of packaging. Yeah, they took extra care in the outside because they knew what was inside the package. See, what I'm saying to you is that your faith has a process that it's going to go through. And at any part of that process, you can say, I've had enough. I'm done. God, I don't want to go through any more. And while it will sadden God's heart, he'll leave you there. But God did not create you to be cheap. God created you with an expensive and elaborate and extraordinary process. And see, when you get those gourmet coffee beans, the roaster doesn't just look at the bean for what it is. It looks at the bean for what it's going to become. And that's satisfying to somebody's soul. And when God looks at you, he doesn't just see a bean that's been picked and left. He sees it for what it's going to become. And he says, I have to take you through this process. And there may be a little bit of heat involved. There may be a little bit of grinding. But I know that if I don't finish the process, I can't put my taste through you. Because see, that's the way people experience Jesus is through us. Jesus puts his spirit in us. But see, church, a lot of times we become satisfied with the state of our condition. And if we've gone through some trials, if we've gone through some stuff, and we're just like, whew, I got, a, I got enough faith right now, Jesus, to last me a lifetime. He says, no, 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 there's, there's a little bit more that I want to do in your life. I want to take you to somewhere that you've never been. How many want to experience Jesus in a brand new way? How many want to experience a deepening of the Holy Spirit in your life like you have never felt before? I'm talking, a, I'm talking an experience that doesn't just come on a Sunday morning in an altar. I'm talking about an experience that you taste on Monday. I'm talking about an experience that two weeks from now that you're going to be like, whoo, God, I'll still taste something of that good stuff. That kind of deepening. Jesus says, hey, there's a little bit more that I want to do with you. There's a little bit further place I want to take you. But see, a lot of us are like the woman and we're looking for that instant gratification. We're looking for that instant gratification. And so along comes the Keurig. And you take that plastic cup with who knows what's inside it Pop it in that little machine and wait for a minute and a half and boom, you got coffee. Oh, that's not the way coffee was meant to be. But see, a lot of times that's the way we want our faith to be. 
Well, God, I don't have much time for you today, so just give me a little something on the Bible reading plan. Well, God, if we can just hurry up and get through this process, I can get on with my life. God, would you just pop a Keurig of faith in the, in the machine and just pour it out so I can drink and go about my business? No, 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 God says, mm-mm. I don't operate like that. I need to process you. Because see, there's a greater purpose when you go through a process. There's an extraction of the oils out of the bean that bring the flavor to your faith. That's why a lot of times you see some of these older people that they've gone through some mess in their life. And your trial doesn't even phase them. In fact, no trial seems to phase them. And they just, they just go about their business. They're just praising God. And here's the thing, because they have gone through the pressing. And I want to introduce you to something that I love. French press coffee. See, because there's a process to get to this part. There's a process to get to that part right there. But see, what the French press does is it pours the coffee in. says, hey, you ready? Because the only reason that people drink French press coffee is because they want a bolder, better, more fuller taste. It's not a quick fix to a 12-cup brew. It does something specific. And so they put the coffee in that's been ground up, that's been roasted, that's gone through the process, says, I need a little bit more out of my coffee. I need a little bit more out of my faith. I need a little bit more out of my spirituality. What I've been doing for so long is great, but I'm ready to go somewhere new. I'm ready to go somewhere different. I'm ready to go somewhere different, church. So it says, hey, I'm gonna put my faith in the French press. And then the next process is you pour piping hot water over the coffee, all over it. And then you just wait. And you just wait. See this process right here when hot water, it gets poured over coffee, is called steeping. And there's something happening right now that we can't see. What's happening is the hot water is taking all these oils and all this flavor that has been packed into this coffee ground. And it is literally pulling out the flavor. It is literally extracting all of the goodness out of this ground right here so that when it gets finished, and I'm gonna speed this process up, so when it gets finished, steeping, it gets pressed. It says, hey, and see, pressing doesn't happen fast. You can't just go, Phew. it's a delicate process. 
And I feel the Lord saying, just hold out a little bit longer. I need to just press in to your spirit. You've been praying for so long for me to do something in your life. You've been praying for that healing. You've been praying for your marriage. You've been praying for your children. You've been praying. You've been fasting. You've been pressing. And church, he's saying, I just need to press a little bit more because I want the bold flavor to come out of my faith. I don't want my faith to be bland. I don't want my faith to be the same old brew that everybody else has got in their cup. I want my faith to have some flavor. So then when it comes time, and this is what we're created for in case you didn't know. When it comes time, we can be poured out. Because you know, what's gonna happen to this French press is I'm gonna use it again. And I'm gonna do the same process. And I'm gonna use it again and again and again. Because every time I pour it out, I need to fill it back up. And some of our faith has been so full for so long and has been sitting in the same place week after week after week that now it's starting to grow cold and stale. And God said, I need you to take what's in you right now and pour it out so that I can fill you back up. And if there's anything in your life that is filling that void and filling that priority, it's time to come out. So that when you drink this, you can taste the goodness of what it went through to get from the package to the purpose. Stay with me this morning. So this woman, I'm finishing, but this woman right here, went to the well with all of these buckets and Jesus said, I'm offering you living water. I'm offering you something greater. And she started thinking that it was the bucket that was the problem. She started thinking, okay, if I get a better bucket, if I get a bigger bucket, if I get a bigger car, a bigger house, a better boyfriend, a better girlfriend, a better job, a better this and a better that, Jesus said, it's not the bucket that's the problem. It's the well that you've been going to. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Church podcast. For more information, visit LegacyChurchRome.org.